We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi there. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. I'm joined today by my good buddy Ryan Boyer. Uh, today is Sunday, August 20th, and we're going to go over the three up and three down from Saturday. We're also going to be offering some fab recommendations, a bunch of prospects getting called up that we have at least some interest in for the remainder of the 2023 season. But before we get into that, let's get into some headlines. And Byron Buxton unfortunately, has fortunately and unfortunately been a headliner for a lot. Uh, Ryan, tell people what's going on. Yeah, so this isn't um, like his return is not imminent. It does not seem. Um, but really the big news that came out yesterday, um, Rocco Baldelli said that Buxton could play center field upon his return. Yes. Which I th- I think – Actually, I know we're coming up on exactly the year anniversary of the last time he played center field. It was August twenty wow. second, twenty twenty two. Jeez, um, which is it's crazy to say because he's undoubtedly went on the field one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. But uh-huh. I think we all understand what the Twins have have uh, been trying to accomplish with this, and you know, keeping Buxton in the DH spot. Um, trying to keep his his bat in the lineup. Unfortunately, um, he still battled some injuries. He's stayed on the field for the most part, um, currently out with a hamstring issue. I think more uh, of a worry, at least maybe over the long term, he's dealt with a nagging knee and hip issue. Yeah. Um, but I think part of the – reason that the twins are now considering I mean they had said early on in the season and before the season the Buxton was going to play the outfit at some point at least they anticipated him doing so mm-hmm. um, and now they're saying since he's had these what three weeks off already and I believe he's going to be shut down for like another week or so before he starts a rehab assignment that these are probably going to this is as fresh as his legs are going to be as right. they've been at any point this season, except for opening day-ish or whatever. So, I mean, if they're going to try it, now is the time. Another thing is the Twins suddenly have lots of guys who are good fits for the DH spot. Yes. Um, Edouard Julien, who's – I'm not even sure if I'm saying the name right, but I sure love saying his name anyway. You're doing it perfect. 
Um, he's not known for his glove, but the bat has certainly played so far. Mm-hmm. Matt Walner has looked really good. I don't know if you saw his grand slam the other day. I did. That was, was uh, holy moly. Did he yeah. knock the, you know what, out of it? Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm missing someone else maybe that could fit for the, oh, well, Royce Lewis has come back now. Jorge sure. Polanco has kind of bounced around the infield a little bit. Like so they that. have other options at DH. Um, so that would allow putting Buxton in center field would certainly make their lineup more uh, more formidable. You, you you take out Michael Taylor's uh, pretty weak bat um, and replace yeah. that with Buxton. Um, they did say Rocco Baldelli did say that if and when Buxton plays the outfield, it's not going to be a full time situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a a part-time. I don't know exactly what that'll look like for fantasy purposes. You know, we'd love to see him get to that 20 game mark. Um, so he can go into 2024 with outfield eligibility. I don't know if he's going to get there. I suspect he probably would, but it's probably going to be close. Um, maybe, you know, maybe he would get it early on next season anyway, but you know, it's always nice to, when you draft someone who's only DH eligible, um, and fantasy, it's always kind of a tricky roster situation early on in the season. If even if you know that that guy is eventually going to get sure additional eligibility, I feel like I'm rambling on here. No, I'm going to let you interject here with your if you have any extra bucks and thoughts. But I thought thought that was interesting that they're going to oh, yeah. they're going to mix him in in the outfield. At least it sounds like it. Not a yeah, full I, conclusion yet, but it's coming probably. I think it's big news for 2023 and big news for 2024. It is nice, you know, if he does have that outfield eligibility to know that he's going to be somebody that you can don't have to just put in that utility spot right now. Um, I just want dude healthy. Like when I get a chance to watch Byron Buxton play at his best, I am getting like he is one of the most talented players in baseball. We just have not gotten to see that version very often. So anything they can do to keep him healthy is great. I also wonder if they maybe will see him as a defensive replacement type of thing to kind of manage the innings type of thing where he DHs. And yes, you do lose, you lose the DH spot if he goes out into the field, but probably worth it because he's a much better, like Michael Taylor's a good defender, but his bat's so bad that you don't really want it. But he's pretty clearly the best center field option to me for what Minnesota has. So I'll be very curious to see what they do. I, I kind of wonder too, like maybe his, maybe he'll, his bat will be better. If he plays the field more. You never know how someone's going to react to that. Like hundred percent. Yeah. Some, sometimes guys like are just more engaged and, you know, they're yeah, more it, in rhythm with the game. If they're out in the field as well, like Buxton has from a counting stats perspective has been okay this year. The rate mm-hmm. stats have not been good. Um, but maybe, I don't know, he, he had been kind of developing into a burgeoning, like legitimate power force mm-hmm. um, prior to this year. It's, he's kind of fallen off a little bit in that regard. Uh, yeah. So I wonder if maybe getting him back in center field could help a little in that regard. It's, you can't count on that, but I, I think it's a possibility. Certainly possible. And I just believe in that guy's talent so much. Um, Another injury return that we've got coming, and it should be actually fairly imminent, is J.P. Crawford. So for those unfamiliar, uh, J.P. Crawford was placed on the seven-day concussion injured list when he collided with Eugenio Suarez on a ground ball. I was actually very frustrated 
by that play because the Mariners left Crawford in and that it was clear that he was uh, pretty darn woozy, but ends up leaving the game and then has been on that IL since August 11th. Uh, was able to return to action, though, clear concussion pro- protocol, played yesterday for high A Everett, went 0 for 3. We don't care about the stats at all in minor league rehab games. It's just about getting healthy and making sure that the guy is getting his full reps. Uh, Crawford, you know, a guy that wasn't on a lot of fantasy radars and only hitting 266, which, you know, actually I got to get used to 266 not being such a bad average. But he'd been playing really well prior to the injury. Since the All-Star break, he was slashing 307, 431, 466, hitting at the top of that lineup. We're going to get into a guy who's hitting at the top of the lineup for the Seattle Mariners right now. I'm going to be very curious to see what Seattle does in that situation because there's a little someone who looks pretty comfortable in that spot, just foreshadowing it a little bit. But Crawford's been so good there, getting on base at such a high clip. And I got to say, fantasy managers, that's somebody that I think you've got to consider for this home stretch because the Seattle Mariners are playing really good baseball right now. Crawford has looked really good in that leadoff spot. If you're somebody who plays in an on-base percentage league, he probably isn't still available whatsoever just because he gets on at such a high clip. But if you play in like just your standard five-by-five, the chance to help in that run category, average, he won't kill you, has shown more power than in the past, already has 10 home runs, which is nice to see driving the baseball at a much higher rate. I think J.P. Crawford is absolutely worth a pickup. A couple other Mariner injury updates as well. Jared Kelnick uh, got a positive review for Jerry DePoto. The one thing I'll caution there is it was a positive review from Jerry DePoto, who has never told the truth about a Seattle Mariner injury in my time being a fan of the team. Uh, look at Robbie Ray. I guess he didn't come back in two weeks, Ryan. Robbie Ray didn't quite make it back in those two weeks. Marco Gonzalez didn't quite make it back in those two weeks. But it does sound like Kelnick is going to be coming back relatively soon. They're aiming for the start of September. Slowed down after a ridiculously hot start, but was still pretty fantasy relevant still, even while slowing down a little bit. I think both of those guys were targeting. Brian Wu also apparently on his way back. I'll be very curious to see what type of role they have for Wu. Emerson Hancock currently pitching right now. Um, I think Wu is better than Hancock. I think he provides more fantasy relevance, but he's crushed his career innings high so i could see him only coming back in a multi-inning role but yeah jp crawford and jared kelnick i think are guys that are well worth rostering now if they're still available in leagues yeah and that uh that crawford and and uh suarez situation doubly frustrating for you since you're talking about your son as well yeah that's true (laughs) i am talking about my son you got to take care of my baby guys yeah uh and i I don't if you mentioned that i missed it i i thought I saw that he's going to join the team in Chicago for their series against the White Sox. Correct. That's the goal. I'm sorry. I missed that while I was uh, early this week. Right. So he's, yes. Sounds like he's just going to need the one rehab game and yeah. Getting thrown back in the action. But uh, yeah, yeah. Crawford showing more certainly, as you mentioned in the second half offensively, and he's always been a solid on base guy. So Mm -hmm. if you're, if you need a boost and run scored um, and he's, still available. I think he's definitely worth worth picking up. But as you mentioned, um, it's possible they might hit him lower in the order because of a certain uh, dude who's uh, doing well from the leadoff spot. Another guy uh, coming back from uh, injury, I guess. This isn't really a major issue or anything, but it, I feel like 
you and I talk about Christian Casas every week on this podcast. We sure do. So I, so I had to throw him in there again. And plus I wanted to mention like he had a, he had a tooth drained, which I tweeted about this. I don't know what the process is for that, but I'm quite certain I don't want to know. Hard pass. Uh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't sound fun. Um, yeah, Casas is out of the lineup again today, but sounds like he's going to be back early next week. Um, he's just been everything we would hope he would be so far in the second half. He's phenomenal in for power. He's taking his walks, um, doing a respectable job against lefties. I think that's the next kind of the next step with him is going from just holding his own to maybe going to the next level against lefties. And I, I think he'll hopefully get there at some point. Um, but he's at least playing uh, regularly against lefties now, something he was not doing in the first half. So that's sure. – even if the rate stats aren't great, um, that helps him in accounting stats uh, perspective. But, you know, Chris, we're bearing the lead at this point. <laughs> I'm going to let you have the floor, gush, him and Hall, and him and Hall, that's not the right word I was looking for. <laughs> okay. I was looking for. Uh, um, I like <laughs> but, yeah, I'm going to let you have the floor to talk about your boy, uh, Mr. Julio Rodriguez. So let's go back to Tuesday, August 15th. Uh, Julio Rodriguez goes one for five with a walk, a couple of strikeouts, a caught stealing, and his line falls to 256, 319, 432. I mean, that's not abhorrent, but it, it's not what we're looking for from Julio Rodriguez, right? A guy that we took probably with a top five pick. I know some people who talk, took with the top three pick. I know some people who talk with, took with the top two pick, like as high of expectations as possible. And it's worth you could be a little disappointed from what Julio Rodriguez gave you for most of the year. Well, you can't be disappointed anymore because since then he has gone four for six, five for five, four for five, four for six. And Ryan, he let off today's game as we're recording right now with a double 17 hits in four games, which is a major league record that I believe is tied with someone named Milt Stock which is a hilarious name. It's a real-life Tungsten O'Doyle situation, except the old, base, old baseball names are just the best. Oh, they're the best. They're the absolute best. And the only difference is, unlike a Tungsten O'Doyle Shohei Otani thing, which Drew and I talked about on Saturday after he hits a grand slam and they turn a double play, triple play, and they still lose the baseball game, the Mariners are winning baseball games. I don't know if you can I, – I, I have seen players probably as hot as Julio Rodriguez is right now. I don't know if I've seen players hotter. Like, this is ridiculous. And he's not dinking and dunking the baseball. There have been a couple of infield hits, which he's shown off his speed. But for the most part, he is absolutely clobbering the baseball. And I wanted to ask you this, Ryan, because I was definitely planning on bringing it up. You look at what Julio Rodriguez is doing right now, and he's hitting 278. 21 homers, 79 RBIs. He has an 800 OPS, and he is a 22-year-old. Where are you drafting Julio Rodriguez next year? Hmm. Um, well, I think Ronald Acuna has established himself as the clear one, one. one. No doubt about it. Um, I think Julio probably has played himself back in the top five. I, yeah. you know, 
I have not done a deep dive on, you know, he's certainly, he's, I think you got to put him higher than Trey Turner. Turner mm-hmm. has come around a little bit. He actually hit two home runs in one inning yesterday. That was very uh, fun to see. So that's uh, from the, I believe the seven spot, maybe the six spot in the Phillies order. Just crazy to, to think it's about. But yeah. Turner's uh, probably got passed by Rodriguez given this little, uh, I, can we even call it a hot streak? It's molten yeah. lava streak. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> it needs its own, its own category. Sure. Um, yeah. Let's see. Jose Ramirez has got to be in consideration in the top five. If only because of positional stuff. Yeah, um, but he hasn't been his usual usual elite self right. this year. Um, I don't know. Would you take him second behind Acuna? I mean, it's it's certainly an interesting conversation. I think he's yeah definitely back in the top five consideration at minimum. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this was a guy who, you know, you were wondering if you're even using a first round pick on him with how he was hitting in June. Well, at least how the results were hitting in June, because like, again, the baseball savant stuff, it's not predictive. It just kind of tells you, but it also tells you that Julio Rodriguez had some bad luck because you're not in the 94th percentile in hard hit percentage with a hot five games or 88th percentile in expected batting average or average X velocity, 96th percent. That's not five hot games. And look, he has to improve the chase rate. He's near the bottom 11th percentile. In fact, he's in the bottom 11th percentile because you can get him if he gets too aggressive on sliders. That is the one bugaboo that Julio Rodriguez clearly has to work out. But you add in the fact that he is just, it's for a six foot three, 230 guy to move like that is insane. And by by the way, outs above average, 100th percentile, uh, one of the best defensive outfielders already crazy to think that we were wondering if this guy was the center fielder um i i think the overall skill set is just so good that he would be my second pick assuming that he continues to i'm not asking him to go 18 for 22 which what what he is right now after that double to lead off the first inning but assuming he is closer to this level like the level that we saw at the end of 2022 as well I think he's probably my second pick. Ronald Acuna Jr., 1-1. It's it's the lock of locks. You just can't imagine taking anybody else. I would have thought Fernando Tatis Jr. would have been in that conversation, but he's been so inconsistent at best that I don't think I can put him in that conversation. Trey Turner just hasn't shown enough this year for me to put him there. Mookie, Mookie, yeah, Mookie yeah. probably. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah, weird. Yeah. We're on the same yeah. Like, yeah, Mookie is definitely in there for sure. Um, he's not, the, just he's not the running threat that he used yeah. to be, but I, I didn't mean to turn this into a 2024 mock draft, but uh, the other guy that I will be taking extremely high is Freddie Freeman just rakes dude. And Freddie Freeman being able to give you those stolen base from first base. My concern is, is that because of his age, how much can you count on that? Because there's going to be at some point a slowdown, but he's such a smart baseball player. I think Freddie Freeman's a top five pick as well. But I just had to gush about Julio Rodriguez for a little bit because I've never seen anything quite like this, not in a video game. Like what? What, what do you? What do you think they're going to do about the about the batting order when when Crawford comes back? I think that they will put Crawford back at the top just because they love the fact that uh, Crawford draws so many pitches and gives guys a look at what the starter is going to give you. I think he will be at the top. I won't be shocked. That, like if Julio goes. 
four for six again today. And by the way, he just struck out. So we have cursed oh, Julio gosh. Rodriguez to death. But let's let's say Julio goes like three for five and Crawford is back. I think maybe you consider hitting Crawford second. And it would make sense because who are they hitting um, second right now? Right now, A. Eugenio Suarez is hitting second, okay. who hit a two-run homer today to drive in uh Josh Rojas and not Julio Rodriguez bummed about that one. But I think that it makes sense for him to be in that second spot and then to move Suarez into the three. It doesn't really matter. They don't have a true number three hitter. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, by the way, is also red hot, which is great to see for me as a Seattle Mariner fan because they need him uh, to play well down the stretch. But this was just five minutes of us gushing about Julio Rodriguez, who is 22 years old and is already he deserves it. Oh, he absolutely deserves it. And then some. Uh, we're going to talk about some other players who've been playing well and some players who have not been playing so well and offer those fab recommendations. But first, a quick commercial break. We know the weather can impact how, how far a ball can fly, but we never really know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable air. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have that highest index of 10 for the whole game average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can get access to the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. Ryan, that's pretty, uh, at this point in the year where like home run category is meaning so much and whatnot, that's a pretty valuable tool. Without a doubt. I mean, you use all the the tools at your disposal, especially, sure. I mean, at this point in the season, um, you're really playing for categories more yes. than like, it doesn't necessarily mean as much as just getting like the best overall player. Mm -hmm. Like you're trying, you're looking at those categories, you're looking to close the gap. And I mean, that's a certainly a great tool if you're, if, if home runs are where you're, uh, where you're lacking. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Absolutely. So let's get into that three up and three down. And Ryan, it just warms my heart. We we just spent a lot of time talking about a 22-year-old who is playing pretty well. I don't feel like Yuri Perez has gotten enough credit for what he's done this year, but please wax poetically about him for a little bit. Yeah, going up against the the Dodgers yesterday, the uh, very formidable Dodgers lineup. Yuri Perez went six innings, zero runs, zero walks, career-high 10 strikeouts, Mm -hmm. 22 whiffs on just 90 pitches. That's incredible. And in a – you know, just a great tribute to, uh, I guess, what they usually do with Sandy Alcantara. Uh, the Marlins refused to give him a win. <laughs> that stellar effort. He, uh, David Robertson immediately gave up three runs in the in oh. the eighth inning, I believe, when they once they pe- pulled Yuri Perez. So, so he didn't get a win for that wonderful effort, but just a just a dominant performance nonetheless. Yeah. He was actually a little shaky his first two starts back in the rotation. He had given up eight or runs, uh, 14 base runners, and eight and two-thirds innings pitched. Worth noting, though, he went a month in between starts, at least at the big league level. I believe he was went like three weeks in between starts when they uh, sent him down to the minors to give him that little break, which – still bothers me that they didn't at least create a phantom IL stint so he could get paid for it. But right. Same. Uh but yeah, he uh you can understand why he was a little uh little rusty at sure. first coming back, but you know it's as as good of a start, I think, as we've seen in baseball this season, what he did, was able to do to uh just an excellent, excellent Dodgers lineup. You know, what to expect from Yuri Perez down the stretch, it's it's really difficult to say because he's already blown past that innings, that career high in innings. Um, you know, there's no – we still have no data. We, we still don't know what the best path, the best route to take 
as far as taking care of young arms is 100%. and any, any organization that tells you they have the best strategy, they, they're just crossing okay. their fingers and yeah. hoping for the best. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the Marlins are handling it the right way. I don't know if they're handling it the wrong way. I, you know, it, we just don't know. Um, and we don't know how he's going to react to, you know, that 20 year old body uh, right. being able to absorb, uh, what's going to be easily a career high in workload for him. Oh yeah. Um, you know, he's just so dang talented that I've got to imagine he's going to be a great fantasy option when he's on the mound. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Marlins are still in the thick of things. They've played pretty decent ball recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's good news for Yuri as far as his workload the rest of the season. And they're not going to shut him down early as long as they're in this thing. I, I think he's going to be, he's probably not going to go behind, beyond six innings like ever um, this season would be my guess. Um, so they're still going to limit him as far as that goes from individual starts, but I don't think he's going to get shut down again until when or if the Marlins are, effectively out of the playoff race. So just a a one the a wonderkind if you look up the definition in the in the in the dictionaries, you're gonna see Yuri Perez here. Uh just a unbelievable talent. Yeah, I mean it's it's stupid. And that was one of I, I'm glad you brought it up. One of the most, if not the most dominant starts that I've seen this year to generate that many whiffs against a lineup that is that good and playing that well too is really impressive. And look, I'm fine with caution. I, I I beg these guys to show caution towards these young arms. But there's got to be a, way, be a way to show caution and also make Yuri Perez not get paid a minor league salary while this is yeah. happening because that's just not fair. That's that's not um, – you're punishing Yuri Perez for being basically too good is what you're doing. And that's just silly. That is – archaic and we've got to fix this and i hope that they address this i hope they see yuri perez and use that as example one when they negotiate the next contract uh between these two parties because it's just not fair but yeah i'm gonna be really curious to see how they deploy perez as well and even though you mentioned that the last couple of starts before that weren't great there were some flashes of brilliance in those starts they just weren't consistent and it makes sense because there was definitely some rust to pay uh to, to rust to unrest <laughs> very 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 good word usage chris crawford uh freddie peralta five and two-thirds innings against the texas rangers allows four hits one run two walks 11 strikeouts now in the month of august freddie peralta has been ridiculous he came into the month with a 4.46 era that's down to 3.97 and that's because he is allowed five runs he has struck out 37 batters over 24 and two-thirds innings it's also worth pointing out that his last start in july was a really good one as well six innings of shutout baseball 13 strikeouts freddie peralta has had consistency issues to say the very least like we have seen moments where he looks like a top five starting pitcher in baseball we have seen moments where you wonder boy with what milwaukee has going maybe you move this guy to the bullpen like there has been Absolutely. There's been very little middle. There are very few six innings of three run baseball starts, although I'm staring at one that he had in the, to start the August. But there's very few average Freddie Peralta starts. There is 
a reason why they sometimes call it the FPE, the Freddie Peralta experience, because you just don't really know what you're going to get. And he's also battled some health stuff. Uh, as a Seattle Mariner fan, remembering that they traded him for Adam Lind is just, I mean, I can make fun of a lot of stuff for you Cardinals wise. There's not much I can do to even come close to mentioning the Peralta for Adam Lind. Was that a, was that a Jack Z trade or is that post- Jack. Uh, I think that's very early Depoto, but that could be it's either the last of Jack Z or the very early of Depoto. Depoto's been here for so long, sometimes it's hard to remember yeah. what is and what isn't him. But yeah, Freddie Peralta looks great. He's definitely someone that I am cautiously optimistic about being an ace down the stretch for a Milwaukee Brewers team that, uh, as a Seattle Mariner fan again, I'm going to keep bringing it up. Uh, very much helping the uh, Seattle Mariners, who are only four games back of the division now because the uh, Rangers are starting to slide a little bit. Pretty, pretty crazy after that mediocre at best start. Um, but yeah, Freddie Peralta looks like a real one for the final few months, final few weeks. Yeah, and that, I mean, I, I still have, um, definitely have questions about that Milwaukee offense, but Me too. the Brewers rotation, like that's, Corbin Burns has been awesome for like, he got off to a slow start by his standards, but for a couple months now has been been one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher in baseball. Um, Brandon Woodruff is back now. Freddie Peralta is really hitting his stride, and that's a that's a one, two, three you don't want to run into in the in the postseason. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, he's as you mentioned, the inconsistency has been. He's been consistent with the inconsistency. Um, <laughs> he ended last year with shoulder a shoulder issue as well, and had some mm-hmm. velocity, some velocity problems. Like his his fastball, just when you watch him pitch, um, like it doesn't really wow you always. But he's got one of those. The shape, I guess, is just ideal. He gets a lot of swings and misses on it, and when he's when he's on, he's just he's really, really good. As you mentioned, the, the yeah. consistency's not there, but certainly hitting his stride for uh, for the Brewers and for his fantasy managers. Real quick, Ryan, before you get into uh, another my, hit for uh, Rodriguez, another one of my sons. No, this is how you know things are going well for the Mariners. Um, do you have any clue who Brian O'Keefe is? He's a former Cardinals farmhand back in yeah. the day. He yeah. is just- he just hit a two-run double. The Mariners are up nice. six to nothing and just knocked out Hunter Brown in the third inning. Wow. Uh, and Ryan Stanek, who somehow has turned into a 55-year-old in my in front of my eyes. Like he is the oldest looking player in baseball. And that makes me feel very old because literally the first year I started covering baseball was the draft that Ryan Stanek was in. So but uh I used, yeah, Brian, I used Ryan Stanek uh, on uh, Immaculate Grid a couple weeks ago. I believe nice. it was uh, one of the, the squares were Astros and World Series champ. I pulled the Ryan, Ryan Stanek out. Very nice. All right, talk about my other son. Yes, your other – some more of your offspring. I mean, they're all over the place. <laughs> they're all over crazy. Uh, Cutter Crawford um, versus the Yankees. The those poor, poor Yankees. Yeah, we'll talk about them too. Yeah. Uh, Six innings of one run ball. He only gave up one hit. It just happened to be 
you guessed it, an Aaron Judge home run, <laughs> two walks, five strikeouts. I feel like maybe we're not giving Cutter Crawford enough credit for how good he's been this yeah. season. I, I know I fall into that camp. I had kind of dismissed him, at least for as far as mixed league goes, but he's he's been awfully good. 3.66 ERA, 1.09 whip. Nearly a strikeout per inning, 94 to 24 strikeout to walk rate and 96 innings pitched. The XERA is actually better than the actual ERA, 3.55. He's got a six-pitch mix. Um, None of those pitches are like super high as far as whiff goes, but all Mm -hmm. all six rank 20% or higher in whiff rate. And, yes, you guessed it, Cutter Crawford throws a cutter. He sure does. He would have to. He would have to change his name if he yes, did. His name was Cutter Crawford, and yeah. he didn't throw a cutter. But two yeah, seam Crawford just doesn't flow as well. <laughs> two seam Crawford seems like one of those uh, old timey baseball names that we it does. Yeah, we mentioned earlier. But yeah, yeah, he's not a not a great prospect coming up. Um, but his numbers in the minors, he, he always struck out a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, this stuff isn't like overwhelming. Um, doesn't throw terribly hard, but as I mentioned, he's throws a lot of pitches. Um, the that's you know can be a really good thing. It's can also be a bad thing because you're not always going to have all those pitches working, and you, it takes a bit for you to find out which one of those. It's kind of the U Darvish problem. Sure. Darvish is often very very good, but he throws like 47 pitches and. You know, right. he's got to figure out which ones are actually working for him in that particular start. But, yeah, I think at least from my perspective, I feel like we've probably underrated Cutter Crawford a little bit this season. He's been really huge for the Red Sox, a, a team that's dealt with some rotation issues. And he's been oh, yeah. kind of an unsung hero, kind of a stabilizer in that rotation. Absolutely. And you know what's funny is that that Boston rotation – you know, it's dealt with some issues, but there's like a lot of long-term intrigue with a lot of these guys. Brian Bayo yeah. is somebody that I'm interested in. You know, Nick Pavetta has shown some real flashes. I'm not really a long-term guy like that type of situation, but Crawford, there's some interesting young arms for Boston. I'll be very curious to see how they deploy them and maybe, oh my gosh, I think Julio Rodriguez just hit another home run. <laughs> not- Blew out at the warning track, son of a biscuit. Oh, yeah, I, I got I got fooled by the camera angle. Dang it, dang it, dang it. But <laughs> sorry about that. But yeah, no. I do like Cutter Crawford. I, I think he's more mid to back end than like a future sure. like run ice. But if Boston scores a bunch of runs, that can still help you because they're gonna get those chances to get wins, has a good enough arsenal that I think he can give you six innings fairly consistently. I think Cutter Crawford's a really underrated one, a nice option, I think, down the stretch. And somebody I'll be looking to target in the later rounds in 2024 as well. Um, this is another guy that I'm going to be looking to target, and we'll get into the three down now uh, in 2024 because I think he'll have a rotation spot. But it's not based on yesterday. Chase Silseth really struggled in his start uh, of game one of a doubleheader against Tampa Bay. Uh, allowed five runs on five hits with three walks. Did strike out four over three and two-thirds innings. Um, it's disappointing, especially because from July 19th to August 13th, and I'm using the Rotowire blurb here, he posted a 1.59 ERA, a 0.88 whip, and a 31 to 5 strikeout to walk ratio across 22 and two thirds innings. That's pretty darn good. 
We've been really impressed with what Sil Seth has done. I think we recommended him as a fab target, but this was a disappointment one. And it's also kind of a reminder that like Sil Seth has good stuff. He doesn't have great stuff. So if he doesn't have that great command or even above average command, he can have a clunker against this, especially against a Tampa Bay lineup that's still pretty darn good. Um, I'm not too worried about Silseth. There was some talk I saw on Twitter about, like, is this something that could cost him a rotation spot? I really don't think so. It is worth pointing out that Griffin Canning is probably ready to join the rotation at some point. But if they go with Canning, I think they're replacing somebody else. I'm still starting Silseth. I will. Th- I think he's a great has a great chance to bounce back um, from his next in his next outing. But this was just kind of a reminder that this is a good but not great pitcher. Yeah, and Otani, it sounds like, by the way, uh, going to be slotted back into the rotation Wednesday after skipping that start due to, due to fatigue. So, no, right. I, I agree with you that this shouldn't shouldn't cost Silseth a, a spot in the rotation. Um, by the way, the line could have been worse, but Randall Grichik uh, brought back a potential Yanni Diaz two-run home run. That's so right. The line could have been even worse than it was, yeah. but, yeah, you know, as you mentioned, these kind of pitchers, um, they can have those starts on occasion. Like if you need the roster spot, you know, it's it's fine. He's not someone you need to necessarily wait around for. But I'm still like as you mentioned, we had him on the on the fab recommendations last week, and I'm I'm still fairly bullish on him. Um he uh I believe is changing the grip on his uh sweeper slider. Um and that's really been a difference maker for him since he moved back into the rotation. So still fairly bullish on him um, going forward. Uh, a guy I'm not necessarily bullish on going forward is as, as we continue our three down section here, Miles Michaelis, not a great start against the Mets yesterday. You know, it was, it was mostly one bad inning, but right. you know the final line was not great. Four and two-thirds innings, seven runs, seven hits and two walks, four strikeouts. Mr. Daniel Volgobach hit a grand slam off him. That was part of that really bad inning. Yeah. Kind of catoed him from the from the start. ERA on the season now at 4.55. The XERA is at 4.98. You know, you look at that. You look at that Statcast page of Miles Michaels's and really good walk rate. That's very red among the best in the league. Sure, everything else is very blue. Yeah. Um, not he, he's another guy who throws a lot of pitches, and he can be when he's sharp and locating those pitches. He can be pretty good, but he's not really a bat misser. Um, the Cardinals defense is not as it's gone from like the elite of the elite to below average, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, and that's not a, not ideal for a guy who doesn't miss a ton of bats. You know, I tweeted this out um, last night in the midst of Michaelis's a disastrous start. Uh, he and Steven Matz are the only rotation members currently locked in for the Cardinals next year, which is, not exactly what you're looking for. Um, John Mosaic has mentioned that they they need three starters uh, going into next year. I'm very curious to see what those what level 
of starters they go after because they it really should be a high high level. They need to be shopping in that not the clearance section, but the the name brand section. Yeah. In the it's it's a good time to to be yeah. looking for a to be a throwing free agent dollars around for starting pitching because it's mm -hmm. a surprisingly robust market. Mm -hmm. uh, so just on a personal level as a Cardinals fan, I'm curious how that's gonna how that's gonna shape up. But yeah, Michaelis for fantasy purposes, you know, I think he's still more like a streamer type guy uh, when he's got a good matchup, but the ceiling's just not not high at all with him. No, and look, like when you when he's facing one, like you said, when he's facing one of those impatient bad lineups, sure, Michael Miles Michaelis makes sense, but you take big risks every time you have him in your fantasy roster. Um, let's just close the thing. Like I'm going to cheat. Uh, I, by the way, I know that the uh, the Mets have played fairly well against the Cardinals in the series, but I'm starting to think we're not going to get a Subway World Series because the Yankees <laughs> and the Mets are kind of awful, and in particular, the Yankees are just playing horrific baseball right now. They lose eight to one. Cutter Crawford, you know, does throw those six innings of one-hit baseball, and he looks good. But this, you just look at this Yankees lineup, it's terrible. Like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I only want two or three of these guys, like, going forward for the Yankees, and that's, like, Aaron Judge, sure, I want that guy. Giancarlo Stanton, even with a bad year, probably want that guy. Anthony Volpe, I think, has a chance to be a really good player someday. But the rest of it is like a hard pass. And I can't believe, like, we should have probably seen some of this coming. There's been some injuries, no question about it. And they have dealt with some injuries in the rotation. But we probably should have looked, taken a little deeper look at this Yankees lineup and realized not only is it injury prone, it's just not very good. And I'm going to be fascinated to see what New York does in the offseason. And the reason I say I'm fascinated in the offseason is they're done. They are not in this thing anymore. There's just no way in Hades that this New York team is competing for a playoff spot. I know they had this big meeting that said, we're still in this, yada, yada, yada. And the, what this big meeting has responded with is three losses in a row to Boston. By the way, they're losing right now as we're recording. So there is just, it's crazy to say, but I don't see any hope with this team at all right now. And I don't know what the heck you do in the offseason unless you're spending a lot of money. Oh, by the way, outside of Shohei Otani, this free agent class for bats kind of stinks. Uh, apparently, you didn't see that um, Josh Donaldson has been doing some sprints on the side. I mean, he's <laughs> the Yankees are going to rally around Josh Donaldson. Yeah, that's we, regret the, we regret the air. The promised land. No, I, I think Donaldson actually isn't even eligible to return until like mid-September. That's right. Uh, and he's been terrible when healthy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Yankees have been, I think they've been looking for a, a left fielder for uh, six years now. And for some reason they've continued to uh, pass. And they, part of the reasoning why they said they did not uh, acquire a left fielder at the deadline, Everson per Pereira, they think is mm -hmm. on the doorstep. Um He's another one of those guys. I mean, we're going to get into the fab, the fab talk here in a sec. Um, I think it's this time of the the year we're we're at the 
under the 45 day threshold, um, which is important because that means you can retain rookie eligibility for next year, as long as you stay under 130 at bats. Um, so I think we're going to see where we've already started to see as we're going to get into with fab recommendations, some top prospects coming up. I think we're going to see more. Um, I'm sure you will have some more on your imminent arrivals, right? Which you can see on rotowire.com every Wednesday. Please check Thank that you, out. Thank you. sir. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think, um, Everson Pereira is another guy that could be could be coming up, but he's not going to save this Yankees team from uh, no. from uh, failing to make the postseason. I, I think it's it's worth watching now to see if they what what's the year streak of fin- not finishing below five hundred that the Yankees have. It's oh, down back to the nineties, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's I think they're they go into play today like three games under 500. So it's yeah. the way they've played the last um, the, for a while now is uh, I would not bet on them finishing uh, above 500. But it's a baseball season, so you never know. Um, let's get into these uh, these fab yeah, recommendations though. Sure. Um, Mason Wynn coming up. Yeah. Um, he had been. You know, just on an absolute tear at AAA Memphis. At 11.06 OPS, 10 home runs since July 1st at AAA Memphis. Overall on the season, there has an 8.34 OPS, 18 home runs, 17 stolen bases. I think there's probably more stolen base potential there as well. I mean, we stole like 43 bases or something last year and at a very – high success rate. He's got elite speed. I think there's more stolen base potential there. Um, he didn't run a ton at Memphis this year, but more in the tank there and he's growing into more power. I think he could be a double digit home run guy at the major league level. He's gone one for seven in his first two games. I Chris, I don't know if you saw that one hit. What I happened sure in, the, in yeah. the aftermath of that? Yeah, Drew and I had a long talk about that, and I'd be curious to see uh, what your take is on whether or not Alonzo knew. Yeah, so Mason Wynn had a had an infield single for his first major league hit, and Pete Alonzo just chucked the ball in the stands at like almost into the second deck, seemingly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think he, I don't think he knew what was what was happening. You disagree? I, I, mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel I, like I feel like. I mean, I love Pete Alonso, but the, the, it's such a Pete Alonso thing. Like he's yeah. just he's kind of a kind of a donkey a little bit. Yeah, he's a little <laughs> bit of a wrong kid. Like I say that I say yeah. that he's a lovable donkey, a um, very lovable donkey. Yeah, yeah. like I, I I could definitely see him just being oblivious to what was what's going on. Uh, well. See, the the reason why I'm not sure is because he didn't just throw it. Like, it didn't wasn't quick. He looked like he was looking at the dugout, and the dugout was calling for the thing, and then he makes the throw. If it was just an immediate thing, I would say no. But the fact that the dugout was kind of pointing at him. By the way, Miles Michaelis might be the most angry player in baseball, by the way. I think he's always in a bad mood. And I'd be in a bad mood, too, if I was having the season that Miles Michaelis was and for the team I was, to be fair. But 
it just seems like he's always cranky. I lean towards probably he didn't know. And Alonzo was extremely apologetic after the game. And uh, yeah, Wynn got a Wynn got a bottle of 1942 Don Julio out of it. So that's, yeah, I hey, you I'm know sure he's happy about that. Throw anything you want of mine out if you're going to give me some stuff like that. But yeah, um, just real just quick, barely, just barely uh, able yeah. to drink. By the way, <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, Mason Wynn is an absolute must add. I've had him at the top of my list for a long time. Um, think he's going to be a helper in a bunch of categories. You'll take some bad stuff that happens along with it, but he's batting ninth. Has been batting ninth. Worth yeah. worth mentioning. Um, Absolutely, I think he's more dynasty probably and. Uh, than a, re, a huge redraft option, but I do think in deeper leagues, 15 plus, I think he definitely needs to be rostered. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think he's definitely makes sense in that middle infield spot as well. Uh, I can't believe I'm talking about this guy for 2023, but Nolan Shanuel, who is one of the earliest call-ups in major league history was the angels first round pick. Uh, literally this year, it spent about a month, put up monster numbers in his minor league stuff. You know, I wasn't entirely sold on Nolan Shanuel as being a fantasy guy for this year, especially at first base. But the fact he's hitting leadoff and has looked pretty good in that leadoff spot as well, has drawn two walks in his three games, hasn't shown a ton of power just yet, no extra base hits, but he scored four runs. He's got three hits, 250, 357, 250. He's only struck out the one time. I like it. I like that for my corner infield guy, that he's a guy who's hitting at the top. And if you're looking for some help in that run category, if you're looking for some help in the on-base percentage category, which hopefully you're playing in because it's the year 2023, that's something that's pretty intriguing to me. Certainly more of a long-term play, and there's going to be some struggles for Shanuel. There's no doubt about it. Every player goes through struggles, especially someone who was literally playing for Florida Atlantic four months ago. But I do think he's absolutely worth at least some roster consideration for anybody who needs help at first base or the corner infield. Yeah, I think normally I would have kind of dismissed him as a as a redraft option. But as you mentioned, I think because he's hitting leadoff, it's just a, and he's got great on base skills. I, mm-hmm. I worry about the power both now and long term. He's just got a. He seems like you got a swing that's going to be geared to just drill the ball into the ground a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if he's going to be able to – he's got good raw power. Sure. Maybe he'll – a little swing tweak. He's got a very unique batting stance, as you know. Yes. Um, so I don't know if uh, he can make that tweak and loft the ball a little bit more. But, yeah, too early to dismiss that, the potential power outlook. But, you know, Mike, Mike Trout's going to be coming back soon, it sounds like. Um, what are the Angels going to do with the lineup at that point? But they're still – banged up that they can still put Mike Trout back in the lineup and potentially still have Shanuel uh, batting leadoff. So as long as he's batting leadoff, particularly, as you mentioned, in OBP league, I think he's worth at least uh, a bench spot at minimum and probably a, a corner out infield spot. Another young guy who has arrived, Noel V. Marte, mm. the former Mariners farmhand, as you know. Yes. Uh, 820 OPS, both at AA and AAA this year. 11 home runs, 18 stolen bases. Made his major league DB yesterday as a pinch runner and notched his first stolen base. I think the major question mark here is how much playing time he's ultimately going to get. The Reds just have 
so many options. Um, they can fit him in into the lineup right now because Jonathan India is hurt. Uh, Jake right. Fraley is hurt. Um, so there is a way for Noel V. Marte to find his way into the lineup, and they can have Matt McClain at second base, Ellie De La Cruz at, at short, and Stig Noel V. Marte at third probably is how they're going to do it for now. Um, but, you know, eventually India and Fraley are going to come back. What is that going to look like for the playing time? Uh, Spencer Steer can move out to left field. That's probably yes. where he's going to go for now. Um, but then at least first base and the DH spot for Joey Votto and Christian Encarnacion Strand. Um, Jake Fraley has been good when he's healthy, so he's got to get some at-bats as well in the outfield. Uh, Jonathan Nindia, it sounds like he's probably going to be at least a couple more weeks away from a return. Um, and he's, you know, he's he might be more of a DH at this point, honestly. He's just not a great defender at second base. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they're ready to make that move at this point. I do think he's a good chan- good candidate to be traded over the offseason. I mean, we heard, we heard rumors about maybe the Reds considering trades of India at the trade deadline ultimately didn't uh, pull the trigger on anything, but makes all the sense in the world as they deal with just a boatload of infield options, especially try to figure out the the best fit for that, uh, for that puzzle. But yeah, Noelvi Marte, not necessarily counting on redraft value for this season. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think he's fine to scoop up for the bench spot and kind of see where it goes, but sure. I think he's more of a a long-term play. Yeah, I will say, though, it was very interesting that David Bell did say that Marte will start every day at third. Um, That comment kind of, I think, got swept under the rug. It was uh, made to one of their – the Reds have like 47 beat writers, which is really weird, but he told Charlie Goldsmith uh, that he'll start every day at third, more time for steer in the outfield. Uh, They placed Kevin Newman on the IL. Kevin Newman, obviously – no longer fantasy relevant. Not sure he ever was, which is disappointing for me who liked him a lot as a prospect. But yeah, Marte is really interesting. I think though, you're right. He is more of a long-term play, but I'd rather have him and see what he has, especially playing in that ballpark, especially with some good players that he can drive in and be driven in by. At the very least, I'd rather have him. I would have some FOMO with Marte just because he is such a talented prospect. Didn't put up the best numbers in the minor leagues, but showed some real flashes. Um, Marte, I think, is definitely worth keeping an eye on. I would say the same thing for Kyle Harrison. So Kyle Harrison, it looks like, is going to be making a start on Tuesday for the Giants. Uh, Really interesting profile here. As good of stuff for a left-handed pitching prospect, if not better than anyone in baseball, we are talking about a 70-grade fastball, a 70-grade slider, and he shows the makings of a really good change as well. The problem is... He knows that the stuff is going to be going near the plate, but after that, not so much. There's been real command issues with him. And here's the other thing that's concerning, Ryan. The last time he threw five innings for a start, and I just had the number, uh, it was a while ago. June 15th was the last time we got five innings out of Kyle Harrison. And some of that has to do with his efficiency, and some of that has to do with managing his innings, dealt with an ankle injury. He was supposed to be in the Futures game. I was really looking forward to seeing him in Seattle, but dealt with an ankle injury. Um, I think there is certainly long-term potential here. And if you're a rates person, if you're just looking for some strikeout type of stuff, Kyle Harrison is worth an at because 
I could see him going three innings, giving up two runs and striking out five. And look, you get hurt by the three innings, you get hurt by the two runs, you get helped by the strikeouts. There's no doubt about it that this dude can really miss bats. Love him long term. I think the Giants have a pretty darn good track record with this type of arm as well. But you have to be prepared for to take some bitter with the better here because there is just so much volatility with a pitcher who has such poor command. But I'm excited to see it. It's definitely going to be an experience type of thing because you will see some absolutely nasty sliders in a fastball with a ton of movement. And you will also see um, some Rick Vaughn type of stuff, I think, going on as well. Yeah, I think in the as far as redraft leagues go, I think the only situation where I would have interest in in Harrison is kind of how you, how you mentioned in a league where maybe you have innings limits. You're only allowed a certain number of innings limits for the year. So you have to maximize that strikeout potential. And he could, he could be of help in that regard. Um, maybe if they use an opener ahead of him, he could have potential to pick up some wins in that, in that fashion. But I, I don't know if they're going to maybe consider that that could give him a little sneaky value, but yeah, I think he's definitely more of a, more of a long-term play than a, than a redraft play. Yep. Certainly interesting, but you better, you're taking a risk at this point with Kyle Harrison. And if you feel like uh, there's definitely upside, you can justify the risk, but if you're somebody who's like in the middle of your categories or in a close battle head to head, I don't think I would go with Kyle Harrison for this one. Maybe add him, take a look and see what he does and see what happens going forward. By the way, uh, Emerson Hancock left this current start that we've been watching with a uh, shoulder injury. I uh, was only able to go two innings. Unfortunately, Taylor Sassetto came in and gave up a five spot in the third. So six nothing is now six five. But this is interesting. There was talk about with Brian Wu coming back, going to a six man rotation. Sounds like that's going to be a five man rotation now with Wu getting in. And I still wonder how aggressive they're going to be with Wu because he is well over his innings uh, career high. He had never thrown more than 57 innings in college or as a pro coming into this year. He's already right around that 100 mark. We'll see what they do. It's worth pointing out the Mariners were not aggressive looking for starting pitching help. I wish they would have done that. But uh, yeah, this is a, a big one, um, but maybe makes Brian Wu a little more interesting on the waiver wire now because he's certainly coming back to that rotation spot because I don't know what the heck else the Mariners do. There is like literally nothing outside of Adam Aller. Are you really going to take the risk with Adam Aller in a postseason run? I don't think so. Um, Tommy Malone might be hanging around the organization still. Certainly not somebody I'm interested in. They should trade for a, a swingman type like a Chris Flexen or something. Chris Flexen, yeah. that's uh, Boy, that, uh, that didn't work out too well in the year of our Lord 2023. But yeah, something to keep an eye on if you roster Hancock or if you see Wu on the waiver wire. I think he just became a lot more interesting. Uh, that'll be it for us. Thanks for tuning in to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Please rate the show if you like what you're hearing. And you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Ryan is at Ryan P. Boyer. I know that it's actually called X now. I'm not calling it that. Stay tuned for more episodes every single day of the week. We really do appreciate your support. And we'll see you next time.